Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Lee Hickman Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Wow, a lot has changed since the last episode came out. We are now living in the corona times and all adapting and functioning with very different day-to-day and week-to-week plans. My life has shifted as well, and it feels like it's constantly shifting as the news about corona comes out and the governmental agencies put forth their new parameters on how best to combat this and slow slash flatten the curve. Listeners, I wanted you to know that I'm praying for all of you as you're adapting to a new pace of life with the changing reality that COVID-19 is surrounding us all with. As we shift into the interview today, I wanted to preface this by letting you all know that this interview was recorded a couple of months ago, long before we knew about the coronavirus or COVID-19. Hey friends, I wanted to thank you for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen today. Can you consider helping me out and giving us a rating and review on either iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or YouTube? This helps other people be able to better search the podcast when they're looking for new podcasts. Thanks in advance. Also, stay tuned for some exciting news from the No Wrong Turns pod at the end of this episode. Listeners, this is our 10th episode. Today on the podcast, we have my friend, Shelby Thompson. Shelby and I got to know each other several years ago through some mutual friends from our church, and we have grown to be great friends ever since. Today on this episode, Shelby will share her story with us on how she began college pursuing a career in dental hygiene, and then how she made a 180-degree turn and changed majors, changed schools to pursue the field of interior design. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Shelby made a change by changing her college major and also a little insight onto what life looks for her as an interior architect. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with my friend, Shelby. All right, welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today we have on my friend, Shelby. Shelby, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. I'm cozy. I'm warm here in the Wall Hall Lodge. Oh, yes. We're recording from a remote location. Yeah. In a cabin in the northern, northern woods of Wisconsin. It's snowing outside. It's nice and chilly. Yes, we are wearing matching pajamas. <laughs> There's a fire in the background. So, so cozy. It's great. Yeah, we're going to have tacos later. We are. It's going to be... Specialty meat cooked by our other friend, Amanda. <laughs> Say hello, Amanda. Hello. <laughs> in the background there. She's back there. All right, Shelby, could you introduce yourself a little bit and let us know about who you are, where you're from? Sure. My name is Shelby Thompson. I am an interior designer at an architecture firm in the West Loop of Chicago. I am not from Chicago, 
but I feel like I should just start saying that I am because it's been like seven years at this point. Totally. So I should just own it. So you know what? Right Please here, do. I'm, I'm making this announcement where right now. Where are you now from? On mic. Where are you from? Chicago. Okay, that's what I thought. Chicago. You're a Chicagoan. I am. Yes. On your license, it says Chicago, right? It does. So, yeah. Wait, it might say Morton Grove. So, <laughs> in, in <Illinois. laughs> I don't, I, I could go grab it, but I'm not going to. It might say Morton Grove. All right, we'll check on that fact. Yeah. Do you have any fun facts you want to share with us? Sure. <laughs> I have a fun fact about my name. Ooh, let's hear it. So, my full name is Shelby Lee Ann Thompson. Lee Ann is two separate words. And it's meant to be my mother's middle name and my father's middle name put together. But it seems like it's just my mom's full name. So everyone knows my mom is Poppy Thompson. But her hey, Poppy. W- yep. Hey, Pop. Her real name is Leanne Thompson. There's also a funny story about my mom's name. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So my mom got the name Poppy because her pastor when she was I think a teenager thought she laughed like the Pillsbury Doughboy's little sister poppin fresh <laughs> I did not know Pillsbury Doughboy had a sister yeah poppin fresh w- she's very cute just like and that's how she got that name yeah oh my gosh and I so, thought it was from the flower no it's from poppin fresh <laughs> <laughs> Pillsbury <laughs> when they sent out their uh, wedding invitations it said her real name because they thought that that would be right and people would call my dad and be like where's poppy where'd she go we really (laughs) liked her why aren't you marrying her wow be like poppy is leanne so people think i'm named after just my mom but my dad is also important gregory lee thompson Mm. so we share a little bit of this fun fact my dad's middle name is also lee spelled the same way l-e-e okay the right way cheers to that (laughs) and i also am audrey lee hickman hunter with the four names as well you know i've I've upgraded to the four names now i'm as cool as you mine spells slat oh mine does not Except that's not even right because there's no A at the end. I made it up. I gave it to you. Four names. That works. Shelby, can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and where you grew up? Because you have a little bit different of a story with a a bit of moves in your childhood. Yeah. So my parents are pastors in the Salvation Army. They're known as Corps officers, actually. And we would move roughly every four years. You'd get a call, and then a month later, you'd live somewhere else. That's pretty crazy. Always very exciting for me. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I never minded it, but my brother really hated it. Mm. He was always very, very concerned about the move. And I was always like, oh, yes, let's see. What new people can I meet? Where can we go? What is, what is this new place going to look like? And I was always very excited about it. And I think that's still the case to this day. Okay, after four years, I tend to get a little itchy. Mm, interesting so So what places did you live in growing up some of that is a little bit fuzzy to me (laughs) because I actually just found out I thought that I had lived in Indianapolis literally my whole life I would tell people that (laughs) and I was talking with my parents the other day (laughs) spoiler alert never lived in Indianapolis (laughs) Shelby Leanne Thompson has never lived in Indianapolis but I've told people that I have so from one to ten honestly I'm not sure but zero i was born in st louis missouri all right st louis and then i believe this is how it went okay let's this is it. like up through college okay st louis lafayette indiana yes grand forks north dakota mm. omaha nebraska oak creek wisconsin kansas city missouri 
and then back to Chicago. Nice. So all the Midwest. All Midwest. I wish it would have been more exciting places, but if I could be along one of the coasts, like an ocean child. Ooh, ocean child. Ocean so child. do you want to live in the warmer areas like California or Florida <sighs> or more like cool areas like Oklahoma? Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Oregon <laughs> and Washington cool. or Alaska. I have not thought about it that much. Because I'm very committed to Chicago right now and loving it. So I see I'm that, about that. I see that more as like a retirement thing. Mm. Like I'm just going to be this cool lady along the beach. Mm. Just living life. With some cool interiors. I mean, yeah. Beachy interiors. Beachy, beachy not the, vibes. Like, not the shell stuff. I'm not going to have like lighthouses on my bathroom towels. No. No tchotchkes. No. It's going to be it's, cool. It's going to be like minimalist, like Swedish beach house. Ooh. Love it. Yeah. All right. So can you... Walk us through. So where were you living in high school? In high school, I was in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. All right. Yeah. When you were in high school, what were you thinking about as you were thinking about college and your next steps after Mm -hmm. after high school? In school, I always really loved science classes. I was really interested in that and and kind of how it gave very clear explanations on what stuff is and and how Mm -hmm. it came to be and Clarity is one of my favorite words. I say it to this day in my job to my boss all the time because I like to be very clear about what's happening and what expectations are. Mm -hmm. And so I think science really combines all of that because it gives you very clear answers on this plus this is always this. Mm -hmm. And I know that that sounds more like math, but math was not one of my stronger subjects. Mm. So I always enjoyed that. So I figured I would do something in the science-y realm. And I didn't mind going to the dentist and I was always very fascinated by that. Interesting. Um, I would always ask a lot of questions. I would see what the tools, I would look at them and see what they were doing and and ask them how they were doing what they were doing or when they were doing like all that fluoride stuff, ask them about that or when they put that bib on you for x-rays. I'm always like, what's this guy made out of? What's happening? (laughs) So I was always really interested in that. But then it either junior or senior year of high school, they had a class for us one semester, and it was half fashion design, half interior design. Hmm. And so the fashion design side went fine. That's like not a, not a strong suit of much of mine, even though I enjoy it a lot. I mean, you're quite um, the fashionista today. Thank you. I don't know about in high school. Thank you. I follow a lot of bloggers that help me with that, but yes. yes. <laughs> and then we switched into the interior design portion of the semester, and I... For our final project, I think it was, we had to like put together a full floor plan, um, furnish it, do all the materials, create a materials board for the project so that everyone could kind of tell what was going on and what the intent was behind our project. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Home Depot and I spent hours there selecting tile, paints, flooring, kitchen cabinetry, and getting any sample that I possibly could so that I could make this board and have it be presentable. Mm -hmm. And so I brought that into class, and I was the only one who really spent that much time on it, (laughs) the only one who really cared that much. But I started to realize that putting that together and kind of figuring out the puzzle of a floor plan um, Mm -hmm. was something that I really enjoyed. Um, Yeah. It's not all about the fun stuff for interiors. I mean, even though that is fun, materials, paints, all that. But it is kind of this puzzle piece of putting a plan together and how is it the most efficient for the end user or whoever is going to be in that space. Mm -hmm. Or paying for it. (laughs) Or paying for it. Yes, we deal with a lot of money in my (laughs) business. So I really liked that the 
the teacher asked to keep my board even and Ooh. I was very, I was, very, I was like yeah pff, casual <laughs> you can keep this board no big deal <laughs> make sure my name's in the corner and then yeah made sure to sign it just in case you never know what the future holds you never know yeah but then I was talking to my mom because I was in that stage of kind of like just talking and thinking about what what the future looks like at that point like junior senior year when you start to really say hey what do I want? What's going to be the most successful for me? How am I going to be the most happy mm-hmm. in life? My mom looked at me and she was like, well, people will always have teeth. And I was <laughs> like, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. She's not wrong. People will have teeth and that business shouldn't go under. <laughs> Hopefully um, not. I actually moved. So I forgot about interior design altogether because I was like, this isn't a real career. Nothing can be that fun. I don't know anyone in the design or architecture field. I didn't know anyone in design, like any type of design field. Mm -hmm. So it didn't feel like something that was attainable for me or that I even knew anything about. So I went, I applied for schools for dental hygiene. Mm -hmm. And the one criteria that my parents gave me was I had to get a four-year degree um, in order for them to foot the bill. Okay. So I'm very lucky on that front. So I applied to four and it's very specific, like, which schools had four-year dental hygiene programs. Um, Are most of them shorter, like, a two-year yeah, kind of deal? Yeah, most of it's, like, yeah, two-year two year something. So I applied to Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, and I really wanted that. Sounds very yes, cool. Yes, it was very cool. The campus was cool. <laughs> like, I was very into it. We did a school tour, and I was like, this is the one I'm into it. Oh, wow. But I also applied to other ones just to be safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And good thing I did because I did not make it in to Mm. that school. They didn't let me in. Rude. But I did make it into UMKC in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And I moved there. And at that time, I was afraid of flying. So I would take the train. It was like an eight, nine hour train ride back and forth to Chicago. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Train people are interesting, though. It's a very different, like set of people who take the train than take planes how so train people are way nicer oh and like more chill interesting plane people are like we're doing this we're getting on this plane we're getting off don't talk to me i'm gonna take my shoes off if i want don't question it it's gross i question it every single time because that's disgusting i i agree but i sat next to two go-go dancers and a web designer wow yeah i talked to them about that and it was very interesting and when you and I was traveling single, so when you are doing that on a train, you sit like family style, essentially, when you go into the dining car, because they don't have enough seats to just give a single person a whole table. Right. So then I sat with four people, and I think one girl was also a graphic designer, one guy was in marketing, and then there was a third person that I can't recall, and then me at this table. And so I got to eat with these kind of strangers and, and learn about their lives, and then just kind of move on. So it was really interesting. It's mm-hmm. a, It was cool. But I went to Kansas City for mm-hmm. dental hygiene, and I was there for, I think, on, only a year, and I started to realize that science was fun and cool and all, but it wasn't fulfilling me in my life. Like, mm. I, I wasn't necessarily unhappy, but I don't feel like I was as happy as I could be. Gotcha. And so then I started thinking about design again mm-hmm. and how happy I was doing that and 
what's funny is I have based my career off of essentially a four-week period in high school. (laughs) That's what I've decided. I mean, and luckily it worked out. But when you think about it, it's kind of crazy that I just took this class and then was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life now. I've decided this. Yeah. So I did some phone interviews to get into some schools back in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And one of, one very well-known school, especially in the Midwest kind of zone, is Harrington College mm-hmm. of Design. And they only had three majors, photography, interior design, and graphic design. So very niche. Very niche. And they're actually not open anymore. You closed them down. My class was the last graduating class. They couldn't handle anybody after me. They were just <laughs> like, we got to close now. I mean, once you, once you have Shelby, the best, where are you going to go from there? Yeah. Once you have Shelby, you can't go back. I agree. <laughs> Actually, it was they were having real bad business problems. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little too artsy and not enough business happening yeah. there. It was a for-profit school, so they needed students in order to keep running. I think the programs were just so niche that they couldn't get enough interest in mm-hmm. those very those three very specific majors they kept giving us incentives they would be like oh get a free ipad if you like get your friends to sign up and it's like if i have a f- friend who wants to do like interior design or any type of design photography thing they're already on it like yeah i'm not like gonna be the one that's talking them into doing that <laughs> for the rest of their lives i mean depending on what the parameters were i might get my friend to apply just so i can get an ipad yeah i don't i don't remember exactly what they were but i was always i was just too focused on catching up because at that point I was a quote-unquote a year behind because I had done a year of sciences and and gen eds and things like that. So did any of that transfer over? Some of it did not all of it because I was doing some very specific like science classes yeah to just grind on people's teeth apparently (laughs) you need very specific (laughs) classes. Some of my gen eds did might like the maths and and I think a science or two Mm -hmm. might have transferred so I got some but not the full credits that I had taken previously you moved to Chicago Mm -hmm. to go to Harrington Mm -hmm. so then how many years did you have of college left were you able to complete it in three or like three more years or did you so I came back in 2011 and I graduated in 2015 so it was still it was still basically a full four years of of Mm -hmm. school and I went year-round oh no summer break Mm -mm. I went year-round and also Um, When I was coming back, my parents were working on a job on building, uh, I think it was the Salvation Army Croc Center. Oh, in Chicago? At that point, yeah, in Chicago, with an architecture firm called Antunovich Associates. Oh, hey. And Joe Antunovich was in a meeting with them once, and I think one of them must have mentioned that their daughter was coming back to do interior design. And he said, if she needs a job, send her my way. And so I heard that and I was like, I at least have to go interview because getting a job in the field is going to give me a huge leg up in what's happening in the future. So did you, were you interviewing when you were in school or do you mean after? No, it was before. Oh, before you even went to school. Two weeks before I even started design school, I went and interviewed with Joe Antunovich. I remember three questions. What's your name? You got that. Where do you live? Okay. When can you start? whoa yeah so he was really wanting you yeah he was putting in a he was giving me a lot of opportunity there and luckily I was a hard worker I guess because that could have backfired I feel like very easily but it wouldn't have made a difference really because at that point I was just an intern so Mm -hmm. if I sucked 
they would have just been like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just an hourly intern at that point. So it was also a paid position. So I was a paid intern two weeks before I started design school. Wow. Um, and I started there and started just on the ground running in design. And then I started school and went through all that. And That's awesome. So yeah. you got a job before you even started school. I did. And yes. in your field. So you're already getting kind of real life. Yes. It's crazy. Exposure. It's very unique. Did any of your other classmates have this kind of opportunity or do you think it was kind of unique to your hookup, your it was, connection? Yeah, I think that um, the other people in my class definitely weren't interns like at firms or anything mm-hmm. yet. They might have like been front desk at a showroom or okay. something like that, but they weren't in firms learning. This week, we have a returning sponsor for the No Wrong Turns pod, Jazz Hands. What's better than a relaxing day at the spa? I'll tell you. Receiving a soothing massage treatment in the comfort of your own home. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Hands. Jazz Hands is a massage company that provides one hour and two hour massage treatments, all without the stress of a commute. Your therapist arrives at your home with all the necessary equipment to create a relaxing massage experience. Choose between a chair or table massage and let your therapist do the rest. Services include pediatric massage, athletic and sports massage, Swedish deep tissue and lymphatic drainage. Need something to spice up your next date night? Jazz Hands offers couples massages as well. Upgrade your self-care night with the wellness experience of your dreams. For booking, contact jasmineleemassage at gmail.com. Again, that's J-A-S-M-I-N-E-L-E-I-G-H-M-A-S-S-A-G-E at gmail.com with massage in the subject line. All right, back to Shelby's story. What I always wanted to do was work at an architecture firm. Mm-hmm. I don't want my own business. I'm not interested in that. I want to work with an architect to create spaces because I think that architecture and interiors should speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's as I've gotten older, I'm realizing that that, that isn't always the case mm-hmm. um, with every project that you do because some architects don't roast me architects across America, (laughs) have very big egos. And so sometimes it's hard to work with them. A lot of the times interiors has to come in afterwards and just kind of melt the exterior with the interior, which Mm. if you get that right, if you get that relationship and you, you see the outside of this building and number one, it's beautiful because architecture is gorgeous in general. And then you walk in and you get a similar experience, but twisted so that the experience is more for the user because outside of the building it's just kind of like this thing you look at it's almost like giant sculptures like people themselves Mm -hmm. never really experience a full building you know yeah but when you walk into the space you as the user are experiencing that space Mm -hmm. and so what can I do to make that exciting and useful and maintainable for Mm -hmm. the building staff and everybody who who works in it as well so it's a really interesting puzzle that as I've gotten older 
older, it just gets more and more exciting to solve. Mm, very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. So you were in college, you were interning and going to school for interiors. I was. And then when you graduated, what was the next step for you after that? I was an intern at Antunovich Associates for my full time working. They were really great and worked with me to let me change my schedule each semester so that I could kind of decide when I was going to be there and when I wasn't. Basically, anytime I wasn't at school, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. I was at work so that I could kind of at that point, get like a dual education of what my teachers are telling me and then what the real life is like, which are two very different things. Yeah, Um, I'm sure for most career paths, but for mine, it it was noticeable. And then once I graduated, they offered me a job. So I didn't really have to go around and look. I knew that I liked working there. And so they sat me down and offered me a full-time position. And so I had that ready and waiting for me when I graduated. So what was your official title? So Antunovich didn't roll out titles. They were a pretty casual firm until not too soon before I I left. But I think at that point I was an associate. Okay. Associate interior designer? Yeah. Before that I was, no, just associate. Oh. Technically. In Illinois, uh, we're a title state, which means I cannot call myself an interior designer officially until I pass the NCIDQ, which is in the works, hopefully. By 2021, here I come. Here you come. Here I come. So this is like an interior test. Yes. So I have to take a three-part exam in order to become an official interior designer and to be what's called NCIDQ certified. There are two multiple choice questions. One's called the IDFX, which is a fundamentals exam. The IDPX, which is a professional exam. And then the practicum, which is where you take three or four studies of different buildings Mm -hmm. and then you have to answer questions and draw based on the different codes and things per project so do you have to study up on this yes especially the fundamentals because you're able to take that one basically like right out of school but Mm -hmm. for the other ones you need two years experience or something like that and you have to like oh so it's not something that you can take right after college you need to work for a bit first you can take a portion of it and i think the fundamentals might be exactly what you learned out of like the textbook Mm -hmm. so I need to brush up get your flashcards out yeah because I'm not quite doing probably exactly what we were taught in school at this point you're probably going rogue yeah I'm a rebel Uh, I know (laughs) (laughs) so you were just an associate not interior design Mm -hmm. just associate what were your main duties as an associate then so I was very lucky at Antunovich because when I was there and when the interiors department essentially started, we were very small. There were two lead designers, me as the, because this is still in school, so I was in the intern at, still at that point. Mm-hmm. And then we had an interior design principal. So when I started, I was started as an associate and my boss and I at the time got along very well. We had mm-hmm. a good amount of trust. We had good communication and I liked to think as humbly as I can that I'm gifted in what I do. So she had a lot of trust in me in terms of design choices and layouts and floor plans and talking to the MEP consultants to see where we can move things around, all that stuff. So I I was lucky enough to basically be treated as a lead designer from Mm. day one of me coming on board as an associate, which is not the case for a lot of firms. Yeah, but you had a lot of experience before with these same people yeah so that probably helped you yeah that job of getting the 
intern position before mm-hmm. I even started school. So I basically had f- four years of learning all the pre stuff. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was an associate and graduated, they were like, you're good to go to like figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and, we've seen and what be you can do. Designer. Yeah. So that awesome. was really, really cool experience to have. Did you stay there or, or how did that job fit for you? So my boss that I was just talking about, her name is Kristen Larkin. She's awesome. <laughs> she actually left Antunovich to go to a different firm, be a principal there. And that was really hard on me because she was basically, and still is, my mentor. Mm-hmm. She's the one who, ba- who taught me everything that I know, who walked me through everything, who let me grow and succeed without feeling overbearing. Because you know how some, some people can, or especially bosses, can, can do that. Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunately who came in next. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so the boss that came in next, her and I didn't get along as well, and there were a couple things that happened that I, I just wasn't liking, wasn't meshing well for me mm-hmm. or how I'd like to work. I decided to start looking around. I was interviewing at various firms. Perkins Eastman was one of them. They were very lovely. I met with them in a Starbucks, walked them through my portfolio and my resume, and I also had... Two rounds of interviews, I think, at Gensler, which is a very big deal. They're a very well-known firm. If you have them on your resume, you can, like, essentially get a job anywhere. So Ooh. it's, yeah, that would have been. And I that went well, too. But I mentally and emotionally really needed to get out of where I was. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of nag a little bit in terms of, like, as much as you can when you're interviewing, where you're like, hey, is... Do you know when you'll have an answer for me or when uh, you'll have a posting or when you know that you can offer me a job, Mm -hmm. essentially? And throughout all that process, I got a call from Kristen. And she was like, hey, one of my designers is leaving. Would you like to come interview for it? Ooh. So So your former supervisor. Yes. My former boss had called me because her and I had been in talks too just while just throughout this process of like hey I'm doing these interviews like what do you think just come that kind of thing mm-hmm. life advice and so one of her designers was leaving and she asked if I wanted to come interview and I said sure as long as you can tell me that you're going to be there for a while because at that point I would mm-hmm. be coming there to work with her again right because I don't really know anything about that firm they didn't really have an interiors department they had a small one that if I'm being honest wasn't doing too much or wasn't like that well known Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Fitzgerald was even an option for me at that point so she called and I was obviously excited because I would like to work with her again I came in and I did two rounds of interviews there as well I did the first round with Kristen and another co-worker of mine now Mm -hmm. and then I did a second interview with ooh dang I'm having a memory that's all right. <laughs> with two other people and they both went really well I mean as well as like an interview can go because those are always a little daunting yeah but it's easier I feel like for people who have portfolios that you can just kind of walk through because you just go page by page walk them through what you did in each project mm-hmm. how that worked and then they offered me the job wow and what was the trickiest thing about that process was that Antunovich paid very well mm-hmm. and so I was nervous especially in my field that I wouldn't be able to match that Mm -hmm. and so I had to negotiate a little bit so that was my first time doing that too which was a money's always awkward daunting process but it went well and now I work at Fitzgerald 
Awesome. So do you have the same title, associate? This is also, yes, associate. No interior design at the end of that? No. I wish it did because it's always clearer for the client at that point. But Yeah, I was unclear as well. Yeah, but they don't want to do that because there are also architects who haven't taken their exam. I actually I don't know if architects are title or not I don't know stay tuned or google it yourself (laughs) (laughs) but I know that that means I believe for architects that they can stamp their own drawings if they get certified Hmm. but not everybody does that nor do you really need to there's always someone around who can stamp it okay if you work at a larger firm Awesome. So I just want to pivot a little bit to ask you a couple of different questions. So for interior design, I think sometimes people might think, oh, this is kind of an easy thing to do. But like you went to four years of school for this. You interned for several years and you're still learning new stuff in in your position. You still have to take an exam. So do you think there's any myths or things people can that you've heard associate with interior design um, in your in your experience in your time in the field? Yes. Anyone any you can debunk for us? Yeah, it's nothing like HGTV. That is like the number one thing. Because there are all these expectations, I think, when you see things like that happen. One... See things like what happen? So, like, you're watching one of those shows and they get it done in, like, three days. That doesn't happen in real life? No. Aren't you so surprised? I'm shocked. Because there's so many people. And, I mean, the other thing that's different is there are two segments of interior design, if you will. Mm -hmm. There's residential and then there's commercial. Mm -hmm. I don't do residential on purpose. (laughs) it's a little too emotional for me I could do it but a lot of times residential the people who are involved are like too close to the project because it's like the homeowner yeah and that totally makes sense I just know that me and my personality would not mesh well with that (laughs) I don't particularly have that kind of patience so I went into commercial design because like I was kind of talking about previously it's a lot of puzzles to put together and Mm -hmm. that in my brain is like incredibly fascinating so a lot of the times I'll be at a table with 15 or so people mainly developers who are looking to build buildings and make money Mm -hmm. is is their end goal on that so you have to think about and these buildings like from start to finish take years sometimes so at the very beginning of this project when you're presenting a design you have to think about what people are going to think is quote-unquote cool in a few years wow so that you can kind of predict Yeah, I'm telling you right now, Mr. Developer, in two years, people are going to buy this apartment because what we're designing is applicable and cool and modern. So you got to be on like the cutting edge. Yeah, it's a lot of you have to definitely keep up to date on what's what's happening. And I try to utilize as many classic elements as I can while still introducing a little bit of trend because you got to have some fun. You got to get noticed. (laughs) You got to see what's out there. It's also a lot of site research too to see if you can connect it to the neighborhood that you're working in. Like what little details can you bring in that people will be like, oh yeah, that's definitely a printer's road detail. Or I've definitely seen this in Old Town in some of the screens or the architecture. So what can I bring in on the interior that always will be recognizable for end users? Even if people don't even realize that they're recognizing it. It's like a subconscious thing that you go in there and you're like, this is comfortable or like this makes sense. Hmm. And if I can do that, I think that that's really exciting. It's something that I really enjoy. That's cool, but it doesn't happen in three days. It does not happen in three days. And it's not just pillows and paints is what I like to say. Hmm. That's um, good. 
there are a lot of programs that we use that make our job easier. Mm -hmm. Um, The number one program that we're using right now is called Revit. So many architectures, firms, and engineers, and also several other careers that I can't think of right now because I just had a, we call them lunch and learns. My Mm -hmm. mom says that sounds like a kindergarten phrase. (laughs) But we have different people come in over lunch and teach us things because for our accreditations, we need to keep earning credits. Mm. So those lunch presentations provide credits so that people can keep their various licenses. Oh, nice. But we call them lunch and learns, which, yeah, sounds like (laughs) a little kid Get your carrot sticks. So there's that. Something that I'm kind of working through and learning right now is presentation. Because uh, a lot of the times, and I've had this discussion with my boss, she tells me that I get defensive, but in my head, you're hiring me as a professional in order to design a space for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in presentations, it's a lot of storytelling, I think, because I don't want to put some big blanket statement on it. Mm -hmm. I think you need to be some sort of people person in order to be an interior designer as well, because you have to walk into a room and convince these people that what you're presenting is right. Mm -hmm. So and you have to tell them the story and you have to walk them through why you made the choices you made and and how that relates to their project. And in the end, how that's going to make them money is usually at the end of that meeting hmm. and how it's going to go. There was one meeting that I was in. Can we swear? Um, it's like one word. Sure. <laughs> I'll make this. I'll label this explicit. Um, yeah. So we were in a meeting with a developer and uh, we laid out the full building palette. We're walking him through. He likes it. Uh, and he's pointing at all these things. He's like, this is great. This is great. He points at one tile and he was like, this one is really cool, but how much is it? Mm-hmm. And so that's something else you need. You have to like know individually what each of the things are going to cost too. So you can have that ready to go and you're knowledgeable. So it was, I think this was like two weeks after I started at Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. And he goes, this is cool. How much is it? And I said, it's roughly $3. And he was like, this is cool as shit, but I need, I need it to be much less. And I was like, if we make it much less, then it's not going to be cool as shit. (laughs) And then everybody was silent. And I was like, oh no, I've just lost my job. I just started this job. I've lost my job now. And he, the, this is the main developer that I'm talking to. This is like head honcho turns to me and he goes, I like you. And then I was like, Ooh, I was like, Ooh, got that. Yeah. I was very nervous, but, um, it's those kind of things where you have to read a room, mm-hmm. see who you're with, see how you should tell the story. Because that particular client really only cared about money, but they know they need it to be cool in order to get people to sign up. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of toe the line of that particular client was like, how much does this cost? What's my bottom line? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. A client that I just recently had a presentation with was much more about story and how I got there and what are we trying to say to the end user when they walk into the room. So you have to know what what your client wants when you're presenting. Sorry, that's a little off track from your question. But that's fine. It's no HGTV. Mm-hmm. It's not just the fun stuff. You got to be a pretty big people person, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you have to be ready for long days. Mm. I, there are several weeks that I'll work 10 to 12 hour days. Wow. Um, getting a project right and coloring elevations and coloring floor plans and putting together presentations takes a lot of time within itself and then creating the actual drawings that things get built off of and making sure things are detailed correctly and 
that you know how to build them and the research to do that. And it's a lot more at your desk work than I think people think it is. Mm -hmm. But if you're residential, it's usually a little bit more Mm hands-on. So you usually get to be on site way more. You're in even more communication with the client. You get to use more expensive materials, which is what a lot of people say are like, because I have one of my coworkers used to be residential and she used to use beautiful tile from a place called Ann Sachs. It's like, if I could, but that tile is like, there's some tile there that I believe is like $235 a square foot. Wow. And the budget that I get for floor tile when we're doing multi-unit residential buildings is like two bucks. Mm, just a little so, bit of a difference yeah a little different but she got to use that and I am jealous of it but I'm working on a project now that is very cool and they want to do like art deco style stuff so I'm I to use a little bit more detail they might give you a higher stuff. tile budget I'm hoping so I'm hoping that I talked them into it I was just in Spokane good old Spokane which I learned was can because it looks like cane and that's really mm-hmm. unfair to phonetics yeah most people say Spokane yeah because that's and how it's spelled very true i just didn't say it while i was there because i didn't want to like offend anybody yes here in washington i just let them say everything (laughs) when i was leaving a coworker of mine was like all right shelby spokane or spokane and i was like brina i don't know and i was was like i'm just not gonna say it and she was like well you could make some funny quip with it and she was you could be like okie spokey and i was like Brina, when is that going to be applicable in this professional business meeting? (laughs) When am I going to say okie spokey? (laughs) As you're leaving or as they agree to your expensive floor tile? I don't know. Yeah. But it was very beautiful. I wish we would have had another day there so that I could do a little bit more nature stuff. But we were mainly at the client's office all day. Yes, it was very nature-y there. Yes, yeah. So if we can pivot a little bit, how do your, because you started off being, uh, going to school to be in dental. I did, yeah. Um, and then you changed to interior design and you said you didn't really know anybody who was doing that. So now that you've been doing this and have gone to school for this, how have your friends and family seen this and have they been supportive? Do they understand interior design? I mean, as much as one can without it being their field. Yeah. So what's been your experience with that? Oh yeah. My family is supportive Mm -hmm. of what I do. My parents were a little surprised because I basically decided it on my own. Mm. I did all the interviews by myself. I did the research by myself of what schools would be a good fit. And I was I knew that I wanted to go back to Chicago. And so I called them when I got in. I called them and was like, hey, moving back. <laughs> I didn't even talk to them about it. I was like, coming home. Here we go. So they were surprised when that happened. But yeah, supportive. The only criteria I got from them was to get a four-year t- four degree. Other than that, I could have done whatever I wanted. Awesome. I think. So yes, very supportive. But no, I don't think that they under, I don't think they fully understand. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's hard. There's a lot of in and outs of a lot of careers that I don't know either. So I don't, I don't fault anybody for not getting that. I just actually had, so during the summer, I am in a softball league with my firm and I don't play. I do walkout songs for everybody. Oh yeah. With your speaker. Yes. But I like to be included. I like to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. So I bring the music. And one of the, we team up with a few different firms. And one of the firms, a woman named Caitlin, works at, I think, ooh, I sh- I'm not even going to play like I know 
what she does. Mm -hmm. She does not work in the architecture and design field. She works in some other field. But I got an Mm -hmm. email from her the other day and she was like, hey, a coworker of mine wants to be an interior designer. Mm -hmm. And I am kind of a jerk when people say that. I like roll my eyes a little bit. Because a lot of times you'll be like, I'll be like eating at Red Lobster. (laughs) And then the waitress is like, oh, I do that on the side. And I always want to be like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't do what I do. And then they take it into HGTV land where they're like, oh, yes, I love, I just selected paints for my house or something like that. And mm-hmm. you're like, mm, that's not, it's not quite what I do. It's a little more complicated than that. And I like to promote myself as an interior architect rather than an interior designer because I do mechanical and electrical and plumbing. I don't necessarily do those drawings myself, but I know how they work and how they should run and how they can run mm-hmm. in a building. And so I'm knowledgeable enough to talk to all of those consultants and say like, you know, we could run this a different way at blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. I work all of those interior systems, hopefully to the advantage of making the space better. But I got an email from Caitlin saying that one of her coworkers wanted to be an interior designer and if I would meet with her and kind of give her the ins and outs Ooh. of what that means. So I met up with her at Jenny's Ice Cream, obviously. Great place. Because it just opened up in the West Loop. Everybody go. It's delicious. They got rid of sweet cream, so I'm mad at them, but it's fine. And we sat down and it's very interesting because a lot of people when they're like truly interested will ask me what my day-to-day looks like Mm -hmm. and that it's not usually that simple for me because I'm currently juggling I think it's seven to nine projects wow that's a lot so some days I'll be doing presentations some days I'll be working in Revit some days I'll be in meetings all day just to get all the projects in line and let the teams know what I'm working on what needs to be worked on some days I'll be flying to different states mm-hmm. to photograph projects because that's another thing that I enjoy and that my firm has uh, wonderfully let me be a part of so they fly me to places to photograph our projects sometimes and it's hard for somebody who doesn't know those programs at all or doesn't really know what it's like to be an interior designer what that actually means and that's mm-hmm. like a whole other thing of when it goes into do a little research maybe actually shadow somebody so that you Mm -hmm. can see what that looks like I mean like I just said if you shadow somebody for a day that essentially means nothing but it would be helpful for you to see again what programs they're working on how the teams work Mm -hmm. Um, is that an environment that you're interested in because it really is a collaborative job and Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to take criticism gracefully Mm -hmm. which isn't always fun especially in the design field because it's so subjective Like, I could present something, and you could love it. But it's all basically chance. Like, how good am I at talking to you if you were my client? How good am I at talking you into what I designed? Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting. So I sat down with her for roughly 45 minutes and talked her through basically what I just said to you in longer terms Mm -hmm. of of what a day-to-day could potentially look like and, and where she could go and... One of the things I told her, which really helped me, was to be working at least in the field. Yeah. Even if you're what's a librarian at an architecture firm, which is usually the person who handles the materials library. Mm-hmm. So you then can start networking. So you get to know the reps, which reps in this field know everything. Mm-hmm. They know who's changing jobs, which firms are the best, which firms are the worst. Ooh, um, so they're so, kind of like the insider. Yes, they are intel for sure. And when I was switching jobs, I met with a lot of them for lunches. But the more you can network, the more you can start to understand materiality too because there are a lot of codes and requirements that go into even the materials that you put on the floor or that you put on the wall or what kind of flammability requirements do they have. For fabrics, there's wearability tests. There are two different kinds that you can pay attention to and there are codes and standards for what they need to meet. 
for every material that you see inside of a building. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot more in depth than I think what people think because what it feels like people think whenever they're talking to me about it is, right. oh, that marble is pretty. Glad that you, I'm glad that you chose that because that looks nice. Mm-hmm. We don't use the word pretty <laughs> in my firm. <laughs> and they try to kick it out of you in school too. They're like, don't, don't tell me that you picked something just because it's pretty. Why did you pick that? Was the texture right? Does it go with everything that's happening in the building? How is it meeting code? Things like that. So don't pick things just because they think they look nice. Although, don't get me wrong, there are areas where that happens. Mm-hmm. But most of the times, you need to have a reason that you're picking something. And I think if you have that design eye, too, there's always a real reason mm-hmm. why you put something somewhere, whether that be in graphic design or architecture or really anything that includes design. And if you have that eye, why you chose even where a individual line goes has a reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's also the beauty of design in general. Even the small stuff that most people don't notice have a lot of thought behind them. And I think that that's really beautiful. feels like art when I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it because all those (laughs) elements coming together. Yeah. It's very exciting. Do you have any other advice? Because you kind of just highlighted a bunch of advice. If somebody who is hearing about this and maybe hearing different components of your job and saying, yeah, this is me. This is something that I'm interested in. You kind of just shared a good scenario of just being in the field just to get experience and exposure to even if you're just doing working up front or working as a librarian. Is there anything else you would recommend for them? Well, interior design, it's hard because it's just so specific. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, getting a job in the realm of -hmm. interiors, I would definitely recommend. You could do research or reach out to firms to see if you can speak to interior designers. I mean, to be fair, it's hard to do that because we're all pretty busy. Yeah. Um, So we tend to, unfortunately, not pay attention to not high priority emails, (laughs) I will say. But if you can talk to people kind of like this yeah it's it's been even exciting to to share that with you and to talk through what my field is because a lot of people think it's very surface level when it's pillows and paint there's more to it than that yeah but research for sure going into schools even Mm -hmm. uh, maybe talking to some counselors and seeing if they know anything about the field because I know where at Harrington they were actually practicing teachers Mm -hmm. they had their own design business while they were teaching So they could kind of talk realistically about what it was like in the real world Mm -hmm. and then what they were teaching you. One clarifying question. I guess I should have asked this in the beginning. So does every associate or interior designer, do they have to go to school? That is a good question. I don't think so. You can get a job in it because Nate Berkus, I don't believe he went to school, but Oprah was like, he's really good. And now he has a TV show and is really rich. I mean, we so, just need to get Oprah to notice us, I guess. But he's technically a decorator. I guess okay. we didn't talk about that either. So what's the difference between you and a decorator? School. Okay. So interior, this is a good point. I consider it schooling. I don't know if there's like an official manual on the difference. But mm-hmm. most of what you see, man, I'm talking about it a lot. I feel like I'm an HGTV commercial. <laughs> most of what you see on HGTV are decorators, like the classics, trading spaces. Yeah. I love those guys love that it's back the reboot is up everybody should check it out but those guys are mainly decorators okay Uh, now I don't know each one of their backgrounds so I don't know if some of them have schooling or what or what they've done but that kind of thing or oh who's the other girl she always puts like those woven tapestries on the wall 
I can't think of Genevieve? Yes. She's a decorator. Mm. Because they'll come in and do more of what's known as staging. Right. They'll come into the room, they'll paint it a different color, and then they fill it with stuff. Mm -hmm. They're not actually designing the actual space and the floor plan and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think that that would be the main difference. And that's kind of morphed into interior design. That's why those are kind of going together and why I like to say interior architect. Because then it feels like it has a little bit more respect. Yeah, I'm glad I asked that question because I guess in my mind I was thinking those are the same subconsciously. Mm But knowing yeah. that there's a difference is, is good. And I like that you mentioned that with your position, there was other things that you take into consideration, like electrical, plumbing, and probably a, you said other things. Mechanical. That, oh, mechanical, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So just different things that decorators might not notice. Yes. Or, yeah, just, or don't design. Yeah, or don't design. Because they're already there and they'll just come in and kind of give it a, a new coat of paint. Yeah. Awesome. Paint and pillows at that point. Paint and pillows. <laughs> That's HGTV. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shelby, for sharing with us. Yeah. Before we go, I have one more question that I ask all of podcast guests, okay. and that is what is fueling you today? What's fueling your passion? So this could be anything from a new coffee order or a new book or TV show or a new Potter town that you found. So what's fueling you today? So uh, very recently, this is kind of going to go back full circle. Uh, I've been getting much more into fashion. And so fashion and interiors are very closely related because a lot of textiles that are used in fashion kind of melt over into fabrics and upholstery and drapery things like that and so the more that I pay attention to fashion and follow a lot of fashion bloggers uh, on Instagram a lot actually love Insta yeah love it I'm starting to get really inspired by the mix of patterns and colors that they're doing and I can see myself almost unconsciously like building that into some of the spaces that I'm designing lately so Ooh. fashion has really been a huge a huge thing for me lately awesome yeah well thank you so much Shelly for being on the no wrong turns podcast thank you for having me all right bye bye friends I loved our conversation with Shelby It was awesome to see how Shelby had such a short experience in getting a taste of what interior design could be like when she was in high school and how she was able to use this as guidance when she made her shift from pursuing dental hygiene to becoming an interior architect. I hope that we were all encouraged today to see how Shelby shifted her career pursuit to find a better fit for herself. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Friends, thank you for staying tuned for our exciting announcement from the No Wrong Turns pod. Beginning with this episode, episode 10, there are two new additions to our No Wrong Turns team. First of all, I'm thrilled to let you know that this episode was edited by our new podcast editor, Sophia Bote. Second, you'll be seeing some changes and updates in our social media by our new social media manager, Olivia Bote. Welcome to the team, Sophia and Olivia please see the show notes for our music credits.